Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. We almost had to hire like a search and rescue dog to find this guy's podcast polo before our partnered event with the Red Wings, like one of the two major events that we run all year, like the biggest thing that we've been planning for for months and months and months. He just rocks up today wearing it for a random episode with three games left in the season. Yes, that is how you know I need to do laundry. (laughs) (laughs) So that's clean? I think so. (laughs) Did you wash it after the event? After no- the November one, yes. <laughs> oh, that's right. And you didn't come to the last one. Brad, some congratulations are owed. Thank you. I- I'm actually not even trying to be funny here. Let me know if I get this wrong. W-O-S-H-L champion. Yeah. Alora rocks. Yeah. Brad is a winner. You're a champ, man. And thank you for winning in six so you didn't have to miss this episode and make me have to work with an extremely exhausted Evan for a uh, a dual podcast rather than the full set of hosts here. Well, full set. I mean, I'm running <laughs> on like two hours sleep right now. We've got two hosts and three are here. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> Something for like more that. like moral support more than anything else. There has never been a bigger. Uh, we have two to three games left in the season vibe than there is today. <laughs> Me covered in dust from clearing out my basement. I don't think I've showered. Evan, well, me neither. Yeah. And Brad, who you said you, you came home at 3.30 last night? Yeah, that's about when I walked through my front door. <laughs> I worked this morning as well. <laughs> well, folks, welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk to you about Red Wings hockey uh, here abroad and then everything else in the world of the NHL. Uh, I am one of your hosts and unfortunately for you, the most coherent today maybe, Ryan Hanna. I'm here physically, Brad Crisco. And I'm Evan. On this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast, we'll be talking about the uh, Red Wings' three, yeah, three games since we last spoke. Um, kind of interesting. Some stuff happened in there. Uh, some personnel updates, both for Red Wings currently in Detroit and future Red Wings coming in from overseas in Sweden. Uh, we have some other notes about you know what's going on in the AHL, what's happening with the draft lottery, things like that. We'll get into the playoff race again. Uh, It's always interesting. And then if we have time, we'll do a prospect profile and some news from around the NHL. Um, But first, I want to let everyone know that the Jamie Daniels Foundation is hosting a comedy night of hope uh, on Sunday, May 1st at Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle in Royal Oak, Michigan. Tickets are as low as 50 bucks. And including the show, uh, you also get a meal, whether it's lunch or dinner, depending on which show you go to. The important thing is that the purchase of your ticket goes directly to support a new adolescent substance abuse treatment center that cares for youth regardless of insurance coverage or ability to self-pay. That's a vital lifeline for youth and families in Southeast Michigan. The show features three headliner comedians with Craig Shoemaker, Ian Bagg, and Mike Young and is sponsored by Priority Waste and Cranks Catering. To purchase tickets, go to jamiedanielsfoundation.org where you can also find out more. And again, thank you all. Uh, we are nearing the uh, $20,000 mark raised for the season with Wings money on the board. So after that last game, we'll be uh, pledges will be um, called to to tally up and donate. And then let's see how high we can drive this thing. We're hoping to, to drive it way past. And uh, stay tuned. The uh, Those flannels that you requested, coming in soon. Before we get started, uh, Evan, you have a story for us? I, it's not. It's just my weekend. Oh, okay. Well, how I got to my current state. Which is an entirely unique state. We never see you like this. This is why I need to stop <laughs> drinking. So Friday golf, that was sweet. Went, came back to Detroit and I was rushing because traffic was a gong show because everybody was trying to get to the Miggy game. Right. 3,000. Yeah. Finally get down there, get all my shit organized. I'm meeting up with Ben and I think his name was Alex and we were all going to go to the game. And I walk outside and they're they're outside my hotel, they're there, and they're like, Oh, the game's canceled. They're postponed. I was like, Oh, so let's just grab some drinks until the game starts. They're like, oh no, it's like postponed <laughs> for the, the day. Because of like it was supposed to be a torrential downpour. So of course I had already purchased a ticket and yeah. all that stuff. So grabbed a grabbed a couple drinks, grabbed some food, and then um This is where everything kind of gets a little weird. Have you guys ever heard of Emo Night? No. Like on the podcast or? 
No, in real life. Okay, like, no. Yeah, so it's. I thought it was like bands, and they were playing at the Fillmore. And the Fillmore is a sweet venue. It was only twenty bucks. So I was like, I paid twenty bucks. Walked in. I felt immediately too old. Mm-hmm. Grabbed the t- uh, grabbed a double gin and soda. St- stayed there for twenty minutes and left. So this at this time it's probably like ten thirty or so in the evening, and. I walk into the hotel and uh, the hotel lobby bar is pretty bumping. So I was like, I'll just grab a drink and then I'll go to bed. Yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> was at 11. I ended up up. I finally probably went to sleep at 4 or 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> there was a group of people there who were celebrating their 10-year anniversary of them all being in grad school together. And the energy was very high. And uh, I don't know why I attempted to match it, but I paid dearly for it on Saturday <laughs> and today. <laughs> We can't, we essentially, like, we can't get this guy to do anything beyond what he feels is sufficient for the day. And here he is going to Detroit alone, a socialite, <laughs> mixing in with several different parties. You're, and you're the biggest, like, 10.30 p.m. I am in bed. Do not talk to me after that. That was very much the plan. Yeah. And you you went to bed at 4.30. Yeah. And I paid very dearly for it. Um, but yeah, it was a good weekend. And your celebrations went to 3.30. I'm actually impressed that both of you are here right now. Yeah, I was one of the first to leave, too. Like, there was pictures shared in the team's group chat, like, today of guys driving home and, like, the sun is up. They're they're like, great day, boys, heading out now. And it's like, you can see the sun coming through the trees as they're coming back on the highway. Oh. Yeah, it was... Uh, it was a hell of a party. If uh, if that trophy's not at the bottom of the Allura Gorge right now, I'm surprised. It did take us less than 10 minutes to break it on the ACL. So Good. As is tradition. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about the Red Wings. Um, you know, before, after the last episode finished, there were five games left. Three of them were played. Um, one on Thursday, one on Saturday, and one just earlier this afternoon against the New Jersey Devils. Let's first talk about the Florida game where, let's be honest, in all of these games, not a lot happened. This is big. Either the Red Wings are playing a near cup contender and they're either pummeling them or just, you know, underperforming but still winning, or Detroit's playing the New Jersey Devils who are in a sorry state. Like that's where we're at in the season. But uh, the Red Wings played the Devils or the, sorry, the Red Wings played the Panthers the second time in four days or five days on uh, Thursday night. Another 5 2 loss has been a common scoreline, I think, recently around there. That was the game with one of the weirdest five-minute majors I've ever seen called. And it was reviewed. And I'm really angry at the NHL. Not because the Sunquist major really made a big difference on the Red Wings season or that game. And not because, you know, that was an entirely important, you know, game that we were all super invested in and, you know, how could they do this, blah, blah, blah. It's that the review system is making me agree with Brad and how wrong they're getting it. It's like, this is my, like, the joke is overused. The Joker origin story is happening right now watching this. I'm like, I watched you guys look at these stupid iPads for that long and you still got it wrong. So, Sunquist got the five-minute major and a game misconduct for the slash uh, on a Florida defender. What did you guys make of that? Well, after your rant, it just made me think of that line from the Joker. It's like, I'm not crazy. I'm just ahead of the curve. I should have used that line a year ago. (laughs) But anyways, um it's one of those NHL quirks, we'll call it politely, that you could call that a major every time. Sure. Except they've never once called it a major. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Welcome to the NHL. Yeah. yeah. It's a whole cross-checking thing. You could call every cross-check a cross-check. They just don't call them. So why was this one the five-minute major? I have no idea. I could understand if that slash was called a major. If it was away from the play, Sunkist was legitimately trying to break up a scoring chance. The guy, I forget who he slashed, but was literally taking a shot on net. Like, yeah, it's a, of course it's a penalty. Like, yeah, he got him in the hands. Yeah, yeah. Maybe even a, above. I think he might have got him above the yeah, glove and got the wrist. A thousand percent a penalty. Like, no question here. But again, why was this the first one the NHL has called all year? I just, I. It's one of those things where we've talked about this 
with other things in a lot of different contexts where it's like, I don't agree with the call, but like, I understand where they're coming from. This one's like, I don't understand. It's been a major zero times out of the 1000 times it's been done in the NHL this year. Why is this the one? It's stupid. And like the purpose of the major review, and I actually don't hate the major review because it's a big impact on a game. You call a five minute mate, like a five minute penalty that doesn't go away upon a goal being scored. You need to make sure you get it right. And especially in the playoffs, right? Like you do not, that decides the series. And we've seen that before. So it's not the fact that that review exists. It's that they looked at it and decided, yep, we're going to make a statement. And all I could think is, okay, make that call in the playoffs then. I dare you to make that call in the playoffs. I want anyone who thinks that that was absolutely definitely a five-minute major. I, I can't even inherently disagree that strongly because, hey, if you called chops at the exposed wrist, like that fucking hurts. Oh, yeah. Like that hurts. Of course, I, I think that should be penalized. You should make players more responsible for that stick. Tell me that they're going to call into the playoffs then. Tell me that when Florida plays, you know, whoever in the second round and they do the same thing that we're going to see that five-minute major against them. Again, you know, no one's seething over this. I don't think any Red Wings fans lost sleep over it, but it was just a bizarro decision where everyone just kind of laughed. We were like, okay. I mean, sure, but it's strange. And little did you know that wasn't even the worst call we were going to get. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, in the same game, uh, there was a puck that was in the air along the left-hand boards. More... Marit Sider uh, jumped up, caught it, dropped it down uh, to control it. And it was really great. Like, used his length, dropped it, controlled the puck pretty well. And Noel uh, Achari basically watched him land and tried to time a hit and just clocked him clean in the back slash side of the head. Sider skated off very shaken up. Like, he looked wobbly. And as Sider does, seemingly indestructible, came back the same game. But... What what are these refs for? Like, if that's the sensitivity to which you're going to call this game, then why? There's no penalty on that play. Not a minor, no hit to the head, no five-minute major, no scrum. The refs didn't get together. It just was let go. And it wasn't like, oh, he hit the head, but also the body. He like, he, No, he literally only hit Sider's head. What are we doing here? What is going on? I am losing my damn mind. The Red Wings fans are just, we're just trying to vibe, man. We are just trying to chill out, enjoy the end of the season. We've known what's coming for a long time now. We're just looking for more outsider to, to score a goal. Lucas Raymond to dangle a little bit. Maybe, you know, Michael Rasmussen's resurgence. We don't have to want to have to worry about refing when it literally doesn't matter. But it is substantially worse than it has any business being, especially at this point in the season. What's happening? I don't know. It's been happening the whole year. Nothing. It's been consistent. Yeah, yeah. It's at it, least it, been that. It's easy to say it's been getting worse all year, and it, it probably has just, but optically it's going to feel like it's been getting worse just because it compounds on each other. Because let's not forget, it took all of one game this year for the Red Wings to see the egregious refing this year in the whole Matthew Joseph, Dylan Larkin incident. So this isn't new. This isn't surprising. This isn't some ploy out to get the wings. So I don't want anybody to... No, no, no. That. I don't I don't think this is the ref saying, oh, we have a vendetta against the Red Wings. Screw these guys. No, this is good old-fashioned incompetence. That's all it is. It's trying to manage the game to what end or in what fashion I can't decipher to save my life. But it's just, yeah, them trying to control the game and being extremely piss poor at it. And uh, it's just that. It It's that simple of an explanation. Yeah, it's not Red Wings specific, and that's it should be noted. Hey, look, the playoffs are coming up. I think judging by how hockey discourse has gone over the past week, it's been pretty strange. We're all desperate for the playoffs to get here. I think it's the greatest spectacle in sports. I just want it. The same thing we say about coaches, just stay out of the way. Let's make it not suck, please. Well, yeah, the refs are going to hear that and go, oh, Connor McDavid's streaking up the wing at uh, 76 miles an hour. Okay, well, when that hook gets into his ribs, yeah, we'll, we won't interject. We'll let the game play out. Connor McDavid's not getting a single penalty drawn. Has he, like, what was his stat? He's never had a penalty drawn in the playoffs or something like that. Last year, he didn't have any. Yeah, that's 
Oh yeah, the fastest kid on the face of the earth. Yeah, no, yeah. He, he definitely never will get hooked or tripped. Uh, the other point of that game that I want to call out was uh, Tyler Bertuzzi's sick goal, the no look. That was wicked. So we've seen Bertuzzi rip him. Like he he can snipe it, especially when he has time to really unload. But for him to do that while looking off the defender and the goalie, like even with Bertuzzi having a slower second half of the season, he can still do stuff like that. And he's he's close to 30 goals. Hell of a year from Burt. Hell of a way to score a goal. If you don't know where the puck's going, neither does the goalie. And uh, Detroit lost that game. Of course. Yeah. Gave up five, as is tradition. Yep. Uh, last game of the season at home uh, was on Saturday against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Obviously, would have been great to beat the Pittsburgh Penguins at any point. The Red Wings didn't do that. I mean, at no point were they the better team over either the Florida or the Pittsburgh game. Uh, we did get a great goal, I think, from... Um, Cider, who did a good job to actually gain the zone, controlled the puck, moved it up himself, uh, got it to Bertuzzi, who fed Verona for the one-timer. Verona continues to score goals, rinse, repeat. I think someone thought we reposted the same episode in the Discord, and it's probably because yes. we were just talking about Verona again. Yep, just well, injecting those sound bites. Yeah. We um, figured out the, uh, what's it called? The, the model. Oh, the model yeah. for every episode, and we've actually been reposting it for four weeks. Nobody's figured it out yet. <laughs> We opened this episode talking about how Brad and Nevin are tired. <laughs> Shocker. This is from June 2020, you suckers. <laughs> no, so uh, Verona scored. I think, uh, yeah, it was Rasmussen who made no mistake on the two-on-one and buried it like we did not see first half Rasmussen do. Um, spoiler alert, the Red Wings lost this game. That was my first Sidney Crosby of Kenny Malkin. Oh, I guess in Crystal Tang game too. Oh, that was the first time you see him live? Yeah. I don't know if I've seen him live. Remember we were supposed to go with the Joe and we had to sell those tickets? That's right. We couldn't yeah. make it. Yeah. Wow, that was brutal. Sidney Crosby is actually unreal He's still. He, does, he is underrated. <laughs> Which is a sick to say. In a year without so many Hart Trophy frontrunners, like a historic you know, goal-scoring pace, Connor McDavid set a personal points record just, I think, today or yesterday, Crosby would be on most, if not all, Hart ballots. Yeah, he is still really, really good. Crystal Tang is also still re- now that I have verified it with my eyes in real, my very hungover eyes and brain. Well, maybe I shouldn't even have said that because now it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, but yeah, both of those guys are unreal. Crystal Tang was a guy where I had to eat crow more than once because I was like, no way he comes back from this. Absolutely no way. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Like Pierre Maguire saying Alex Fetchkin will never score 50 goals again back in 2013. It, we all need to stop bullying Pierre Maguire. No, because we, we need to bully him more. No, no, because if he gets fired, he's going to end up back on the air. And I will not forgive anyone if that happens. That is a terrific point. I've, I'm horrified of that happening one day. And, you know, with the change in ownership in Ottawa, no. Uh, Pierre, Pierre's in Ottawa, you're doing a fantastic job. job. Keep it up. So there is a goal. Uh, that Pittsburgh scored. <laughs> People in the arena were also incredibly confused. Everybody was. Like, watching the game from home, nobody realized that puck went in the net. Like, nobody knew that puck actually went in the net because we were all focusing on Gensel and Grace, like, kind of getting into it. I mean, while Mark Stahl, like, absolutely buried Gensel yeah, yeah, into yeah. Christ, but still. So, Jake Gensel got a shot off from right in the slugget like close to the crease on Grice, it by all rights, Grice should have saved it. And the referee was anticipating that and it was a quick whistle. Turns out the puck was actually loose. So what happened was, and I'm not being biased here, I assure you I've watched this several times. The puck, the, the, the referee assumed the puck was frozen. He blew the whistle. The puck was loose, slid a few feet. Malkin, Evgeny Malkin picked it up with one stick handle and then with another motion with the stick, knocked it into the back of the net. Well after the whistle. Malkin's stick wasn't on the puck or even pulling the puck in when the whistle went off. Verifiably. The play was reviewed and we got a thesis from the referee who was explaining it to the arena. It didn't make any sense. Hey, just a pro tip, NHL and and refs. If you need 2,000 words to explain why a goal is good, the goal's not good. That's just a... More than 144 characters. Yeah. (laughs) If you can't tweet it. Yeah. And we got an explanation about the continuation of motion that this is a rule change because it used to be the intent to blow the whistle meant the play was dead. So a play could be dead even before you. But they did blow the whistle. There was 
intent plus a whistle. Well, the they intent thing changed, changed that rule. Oh, yeah, yeah. That rule has oh. been changed because that was egregious and stupid. But then they essentially said a whistle stopping a continuation of a play where the puck was going in meant that the whistle, like the, the goal counted essentially. And what, would the whistle have changed the outcome of the play? If the answer is no, they'll allow it. And essentially, the way I interpret that is the the motion into the net had to have already been happening in some capacity. And every time I watched it back, I said, that whistle went and then Malkin pulled it in a little sideways and then knocked it again forward. There are two motions with a stick on the puck. And neither of them started or, or were even in progress before the whistle went off. So how did this goal count? So I got a few thoughts on this. So I'll go through them one at a time as quickly as I can. It's funny because the reason that rule got changed was because of the 2017 Cup Finals, Pittsburgh-Nashville. It was Pittsburgh-Nashville, right? Yeah, yeah. where the Penguins benefited because Nashville had a tap and empty net goal um, on a near identical play where the goalie thought he had it drop beside him. And uh, I think it was actually game six too, wasn't it? Like it was a huge moment in the season, not even the game. And uh, Nashville wasn't allowed the goal because the whistle blew, even though the whistle would have had no impact because that puck was going in, whether they blew the whistle or not. Mm -hmm. Um, So they realized, okay, we have to fix that because such an obvious goal shouldn't be disallowed because a whistle blew a half a second before the puck crossed the goal line into an empty net. And that that's the right idea. Like I prefer this reality versus that reality. Don't get me wrong. Um, So then leading into this, instance this was one of those weird cases where two wrongs do kind of make a right (laughs) because the referee screwed up twice here oh yeah yeah the whistle that we're talking about in contention should have never went the thomas grice never had that puck that that should have been a goal that should on its own yeah that should be a goal like if the refs screw nothing up here this should end in a goal because Thomas Grice never had control of the puck. Evgeny Malkin was wide open and there was no Red Wing in position to stop him. So that, let's be clear. If the referees were even half decent at their job, this ends up in a goal for the Penguins, which is why it's not worth getting like yeah, yeah. curious about. Don't don't but, go sleep. But so they screwed up there. They blew the whistle. Okay. Play's dead. Malkin doesn't have the puck. Whistle's gone. Whatever. And the whistle goes. Malkin gets it. Puts it in. It's a goal. Okay. Sucks for Pittsburgh, but. No goal. They blew the whistle. They shouldn't have blown the whistle, but they did. Malkin didn't have the puck, whatever. And then, yeah, they overturn it because I guess they felt guilty about blowing it dead. So they got to the end result that it should have been at by screwing it up twice. And if that isn't the most NHL thing, that reminds me I of my imagine. undergrad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Wow. That pa- that rang painfully true for me. <laughs> Thank God for part marks. But yeah, so this this is how the NHL gets things right by getting it wrong twice. <laughs> I just, again, we're just trying to vibe, man. We're tired. Everyone's energy right now is you two staying up until 3.30 and then having things to do the next day. Like, <laughs> Wings fans are just trying to enjoy the end of the season. The sun's coming out. Miguel Cabrera hit his 3,000th hit in Comerica, which was awesome. We all, we're all just trying to enjoy this. And the refs are just sitting here throwing whatever this garbage is. Anyhow, the game ended. Pittsburgh won by a lot. It is what it is. Verano was essentially the only thing that was good. He scored that game. End of story. Uh, And then the Red Wings played their third of those three games that we're talking about today. um, Earlier this afternoon against the New Jersey Devils, who are missing anyone good on their team. (laughs) I think anyone remaining has the flu. And uh, they sucked. They were, That was just a bad team. Watching the New Jersey Devils today, I was like, yeah, you know what? doesn't matter how bad you want to tank for Bedard and Michkov. I don't think you can be bad enough if this team is out there. I mean, not counting the empty netters, it was still a one nothing game. So, you know, they gave it the old college try. They did. Yeah, they absolutely did. It wasn't a close one nothing though. I don't know. They had a goal disallowed because of offside. Um, didn't New Jersey yeah there was a goal disallowed for each team for right? each team yeah. and uh, Nedeljkovic got a the simplest shutout he'll ever see in a Red Wings uniform he, he's in, earned it for what he's been through this yeah, year in the near like any time in the past and probably the foreseeable future it was like under 20 shots but hey he was solid Rasmussen scored 
Um, Sunk- like Rasmussen was part of the turnover. Bertuzzi actually is the one who forced it, I think, technically, uh, for the Sunquist opening goal. And then Rasmussen scored an empty netter. Bertuzzi scored an empty netter. Overall, I mean, you could be mad about the not tanking all you want, but the reality is the Red Wings are substantially better than that New Jersey Devils team. I do not see... Could Alabama beat? <laughs> <laughs> they That was bad. It's funny because in the group chat, we were like hypothesizing, okay, the Devils could actually technically pass Detroit yeah. if they win out, except for one OT, and then they just go ahead and lose to Detroit. And at the start of that game, you knew. Like, no way. Imagine the signing Dougie Hamilton thinking you're good and then are also garbage. <sighs> I feel bad. New Jersey has been buying for like three years and they're, they're still horrendous. Strange. And I I think with better goaltending, like a healthy Bernier and maybe So they're bad by accident. Yeah. Well, yeah. They're not they they didn't think they were gonna be this bad. Mm. By no rights would even if you even if you told New Jersey, hey, you're gonna finish out of the playoffs, I'm assuming they would have thought like twentieth overall. Just out of the playoffs. Yeah. They're currently sitting twenty eighth pretty comfortably. Um I think better goaltending makes a bigger, big difference and maybe better health for especially like Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer, that kind of thing. Yeah, but I think they've had like eight goalies this year. So, yeah, yeah, some consistency would help. Man, Jonathan Bernier, we've seen what he can do on a bad team. I think that's what they were hoping for and it just was not the year it was meant to be. Can't do it if you're not healthy, right? Fact, yes. So uh, that's the Red Wings. They are currently sitting 25th overall. Um, they have three points clear of Ottawa, who's in 26, but Ottawa has a game in hand. They're one point back of Buffalo. So Buffalo has firmly passed, well, I mean firmly, one point, and they're both even at 80 games played. And we'll take a look at those standings more later. Um, the Red Wings' upcoming game, they have Toronto on Tuesday night, who, oh boy. like all jokes about Michael Bunting aside, they just lost Michael Bunting maybe long-term, which bad timing as you're approaching the playoffs yeah, it's gonna be tough losing your veteran leadership when you head into the playoffs <laughs> they just got tuned up by what was it tampa bay yeah like 8-1 i thought only the red wings did that i actually i texted steve dangle something like irrelevant to the game i was just like some like i was bitching and moaning about something to do with like the general admin of podcasts and it was this whole thing. I was like, do you guys go through this too? Like, what do you do with this? And then I flipped to the score of the Toronto game. I went, never mind. You're really busy tonight. <laughs> 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 Sorry about that. So Toronto is going to probably look to for a tune-up game. We'll see how that one goes against Detroit. Don't hold, hold out hope. If you want to see a win, last game of the season is on Friday, the 29th, 7 p.m. Eastern. It's against New Jersey again. That'll be Detroit's best chance in my mind. And then that's it. We're almost there. Huh. It's felt mm. long and short all at the same time. Yeah, it did. No part of the season has felt short. No, this felt like a 120-game season. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I legit felt like the season was over just from, like, um, not like a, this team's Once so bad. Once December like, happened, it got really long. Yeah, it was like, yeah, January 30th. It's like, we're we're good here. This this That's been 82, right? It's also, like, these past couple months, had, the games have been jam-packed. Like, February was a super soft schedule because of that break and then the delays and everything. But March and April have been, like, pretty much you blink, you missed a game. All right. Some positive news. Simon Edvinson signs his ELC. Hell yeah. So, Ferlando wraps up in the SHL playoffs. Uh, Edvinson uh, is eligible to be signed in the Red Wings. Uh sign him to his entry-level contract, which which starts the 2022-2023 season. So I know some people were hoping, is there a way he makes it over this season? There would be no time anyways, and no, the contract starts for next season. Um, He had a phenomenal year over in Sweden. I want to caution by saying don't hold him to the exact trajectory in what Maurice Sider did. What Sider did and is doing right now is literally going to win him a Calder Trophy for best rookie in the NHL, or should at the very least. So you can't hold any rookie to that standard. But in terms of the path they took, their seasons just before coming over to North America, I do not blame people for being hopeful about Edmondson and even making the Red Wings right off the bat. Yeah, it's also worth noting that he'll be a year younger starting next season than Sider was this year. Um 
Yeah, I think it's a pretty safe bet he's coming over to North America. That could be Detroit or Grand Rapids. Given the left side of Detroit's defense, his odds are good to make the big club, especially the way he played because he had one of the most impactful uh, U19 or U20 seasons in SHL history, um, which is extremely, extremely exciting. And uh, yeah, now like I'm still curious about what they're going to do with him with the World Juniors because... He's going to have, a, as we've seen with Raymond, and, and not as much cider, but a little bit, like the long season can really wear on the rookies. Okay. So I wouldn't be shocked if they kept Edmondson or the WJCs just to get ready for a full season in North America. But um, I haven't seen any confirmation yet, though, that he is coming over to North America. He could, in theory, still spend another season in the SHL, although I would classify that as extremely unlikely at this point. I Obviously, I'm not going to be mad if he goes. I mean, we get to watch him on a best-on-best among his peers international tournament that we missed out on, really, over the holiday break. But knowing how long an 82-game season is, knowing what he has in front of him in terms of people to compete with on the left side, i.e. nobody, this is probably going to be a guy that the Red Wings, or at the very least, the Griffins are going to be counting on for a long season. Probably a mix of both, to say the least, for it. I kind of prefer they sit him out have him train, get ready for the season, have a good training camp and focus on the Red Wings. And if not the Griffins, he does need to put on weight and he did have a couple injuries this year. So yeah, the, they might leave it to him. And if he says he wants to go, he wants to go, but yeah, I don't know if that'd be the greatest decision. Hell Sweden at least has the advantage of being able to replace him with the U 20 player of the year. Right. Right. William Wallander. Who's again the the first half of the season juxtaposed with this? I think we talked about it last episode. You know, missing out on being called to the World Juniors and then winning the SHL's U twenty Player of the Year. Like, I can't remember who who we were talking to, but someone said, "Man, Wallander has to turn up this season because the players that the Red Wings essentially passed up on to draft him. Like, there's a lot of really good picks in there, and the Red Wings took a swing. And hey, man, so far so good. Yeah." Hell of a trophy to win. Who won it before him? Uh, Maurice Sider. Right. Right. The sun is shining and so is Maurice. <laughs> <laughs> so the future is looking bright for the Red Wings pipeline. And, and all of this, not to to discount what Albert Johansson or who anyone else at the Red Wings have drafted is doing. Like, there's quite a bit there. The superstar talent, obviously, Sider and now Edmondson. That's what people are focusing on and for good reason. Um but there's a lot to be said. We're already seeing conversations. Large um, of the Swedish winger was talking about, you know, is someone going to have to learn to play on the opposite side of their their stick? Wallander plays quite a bit of the right side, even though he's left-handed. So you have that right there. And I'm curious to see what the Red Wings top four looks like in like two to three years. It is absolutely hilarious looking at the big picture. Just how few misses, if any, and how many exceed expectations when the Red Wings draft a Swede lately? It's <laughs> it's Edvinson looks like he's outperforming his draft slot. Wallander might. Uh, Berggren definitely is to this point. Soderbloom definitely is to this point. Even Dover Nilsson and Niederbach look like pretty good for where they were picked, even though they're still long shots. Like it's it's hilarious. Every time we talk to anyone in the industry, every time we talk to someone in the Red Wings organization, scouts or what have you, everyone says and and we believe them. You know, you draft the Swedes, of course, you have – that's a fantastic program. A lot of different programs they have over there. It's a well-established hockey superpower, of course, so you're going to get a lot of talent out of there. But they're never saying, no, we need to draft a Swede. They just want to draft the best players available. It just turns out they have a whole – Yeah, they have a whole horde of them. Um, You have to imagine Elmer Soderblom's ELC is coming soon then, yeah? You would think, yeah, he's he's got to get over to Grand Rapids this year. He's got, at his age, nothing left to prove in the SHL. I think the trigger is once we hit publish on this episode. Yeah. Probably something like that. So let's quickly add in. And uh, yeah, super excited to see Elmer <laughs> yeah. in uh, Grand Rapids next year. I expect him to, you know, slowly transition, but build up steam as uh, as the year goes along. Uh, not like uh, Jonathan, unlike what Jonathan Berger did this year. That's right. There we go. So we'll just keep one of those in. Great transition. <laughs> Um, Jay, so that's at HWCJ, who's a great follow for Red Wings Twitter, um, put this out. And I was wondering if he was close. So it's confirmed that Jonathan Berggren now holds the record for most points by a rookie for the Grand Rapids Griffins, 60 points in 68 games for Berggren. Seems good. It's not bad, huh? 
That'll do. So for a guy who doesn't have like, you know, a guaranteed spot on the Red Wings roster next year, he's going to have to earn it. There are players ahead of him who you're like, yeah, are they the future of the team? No, but could they hold that spot over him? It really depends on camp. You look at the season he's had and you're like, that's about what you had to do to to set yourself up as best as possible coming into this offseason. Yeah. And um, if you even look at his season splits, like his second half has been really good. He's got like what? 14 points in his last eight or nine games right yeah, now he's on a tear he's on a hell of a tear and um so it's it's not just that he had a good year it's he's he's gaining momentum as it progresses he's getting better you can see the improvement so that gives you optimism that yeah he might walk into camp next year and and well probably should be an even better version of what he is now which is a fantastic thing to think about and for a guy who's been through as much as he's been through with devastating injuries at the worst time during the some of the most important years of his development this a speaks to the amount of talent that he has and and why he was picked so high in the draft essentially a first round pick with how high he was drafted and b you know the perseverance that he's shown to to battle back and get through to this point they weren't minor injuries it was to the point where you know, he was great up until he was hurt and then hurt again. And, you know, we were really unsure to almost to the point of writing him off as a, a, a viable top six future player because we were like, there's no way that you can come back from this so many times. And he's proven us and a lot of different people wrong. So good on Bergeron. And I hope I hope to see him on the Red Wings next year because that means he's gone above and beyond in camp, which is exactly what you want to see from the Wings rookies. Okay. Um before we do our ad break here, you want to do Brad's favorite thing? You want to do a tankathon? Oh yeah. Yeah, people love that, Brad. I think they love it not because it because it's like, you know, encourages excitement or anything because the Red Wings aren't going to win the draft lottery because you hate it. So It's the only reason because we've done how many and the Red Wings haven't won one yet. All right, let's simulate this draft lottery which is actually happening on May 10th. The Red Wings have eighth best odds and they stay eighth overall. Look at that. Hey, wow. Weird how that works. So according to Tankathon, that's uh, Danila Yurov. Although it could also be... I'd be okay with that. Frank Nazer. Be okay with that. Could be Lambert. Could be LeCaramaki. Or could be Cutter Gauthier. Maybe we'll talk about him a little bit. Nah. Before we get into uh, all of that, let's first talk about how this episode of the Wayne Wheel Podcast is proudly brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook, a sponsor that gives hockey fans what we really need, especially right now, even more excitement in the game. There's so many reasons why FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. They're simple to use with great odds on different betting markets, giving you more action every game day. They also have a lot of t- uh, unique bet types like same game parlay and exclusive promos on the biggest events. And when you win, you get your winnings back safely in as little as 24 hours. Now listen to this. FanDuel is letting you place your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just place a bet on any game and FanDuel will refund you up to $1,000 back if you don't win your first bet. If you win, you keep the cash. If you lose, you get up to $1,000 back in site credit. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started with that risk-free bet and be sure to sign up Sign up with promo code WWP so they know the Winged Wheel podcast sent you. That's FanDuel Sportsbook promo code WWP. You must be 21 and older and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, West Virginia, Indiana, Colorado, Iowa, Tennessee, Virginia, or Michigan. First online real money wager only. Site credit is non-withdrawable and expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See sportsbook.fanduel.com for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, no, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, or Virginia, Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789, 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia, or call 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. Okay. Um, the NHL playoff race is coming near the end here. And of course the Eastern conference is the Eastern conference. I think the only real excitement there is who's Toronto going to have to face their demons with, especially in the first round, maybe only in the first round. Uh, but in the West, you have LA holding down that third spot in the Pacific with 96 points. They have two games to go. You have Vegas behind them at 89 points with four games to go. So it might be there. Um, It's probably not going to happen, though, in terms of the Pacific. But you do have two wildcard spots. You have Nashville's four games left. They have 93 points. Dallas, three games left. They have 93 points. Vegas has a game in hand on Dallas, and they're four points back. Vancouver uh, has 79 games as well, same as Dallas, and they are six points back. So Vancouver is out of this. So really, this is a race to see if Vegas can oust Dallas. If Vegas wins their game in hand, they're two points back. 
Correct me if I'm wrong. Doesn't Vegas have a game left against Dallas? That's going to be arguably the biggest game of the year. Uh, not arguably. It is. Until the playoffs start, that is – there's no other game that's been relevant standings-wise with any sort of significance yet. This is the one. So if Vegas wins the game in hand, it all comes down to that game. Like in theory, you gotta you gotta assume these both these teams aren't gonna royally screw shit the bed at this point. But yeah, stranger things have happened. I mean, Vegas already has been. They have whatever the hell is going on with Robin Leonard right now. Oh, that I don't even want to talk about that because there is so much confusion and garbage around that. My God, which is unique for Vegas. Yes. Yeah. Strange. They do not have player team issues at all. None whatsoever. So that game, the the Dallas Vegas game, is on Tuesday night. Um, Vegas has San Jose at home, and then they have three games on the road. So Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday. So yeah, the Dallas one's huge, but they're someone on San Jose. I think they play Vegas very shortly. Maybe that's even today. Yeah, San Jose Vegas is today. Yeah, someone was saying that that someone on San Jose. I can't remember who it was, but they were saying that that's their biggest game of the year. I love that. Me too. That's incredible. We need more of that. Absolutely. I want the bottom feeders to say, screw the lottery. I want to I want to ruin this team's whole weekend. I want to ruin your season. Yeah, I want all of that, especially Vegas, because they do not like one another. No, no. That playoff series. I love how quickly they, they latched onto that rivalry, too. Me, too. That team didn't exist. Now you hate them. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> That's what sports is all about. I hate them, too. <laughs> yeah. I want like in the MLS, I want a Detroit team so I can really hate Toronto FC. I want, yeah, I want the Detroit MLS team. I want, like, the Detroit uh, PWHPA team. I just want reasons to hate other teams. That's what that's what sports fandom is all about. Anyways, should we give a second to what's happening in Vegas with Robin Leonard? I, no, I literally don't understand enough of what's going on right now to actually form a valid opinion on it. I thought, so wasn't it like he was hurt and he wanted to shut it down and have surgery, but Vegas was like, well... Could you play anyway? And he was said no. That's so, what I thought it was. So from what Elliot Friedman was able to piece together, he think what's happened is Leonard, who is playing hurt, was upset at the criticism he was receiving because he's been getting Pete DeBoer, good coach, bad coach, whatever. He's not a schmoozer for sure. No. Doesn't butter up his own players. And <laughs> you know what deserved or not, Leonard was thoroughly placed under the bus recently. So Leonard wasn't happy about that, um, and he informed the Golden Knights last Thursday that he was going to have to have surgery and shut it down. And then within the last few days, there have been conversations between Leonard, the team, his agents, and everyone involved trying to see if there's a solution to all of this that would have him in the lineup. Yeah, it's called surgery. <laughs> I just, what a mess. I can't. How do you let this happen with a guy who you essentially need to be healthy, healthy if you're going to do anything in these the playoffs? Is Sabres music? Oh my God. Jack Eichel is like, where am I? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought I just left this. It, shouldn't it be up to basically the doctors and the player? Like, the team does not control their pl- the well, player's medical, well. So, it's to varying degrees, yes and no, right? Like, I don't know. Well, how'd Jack Eichel end up here again? <laughs> yeah, it's a mess. The last game he played was... Um, the 20th, the Vegas-Washington game. So, we'll see how that all shakes out. But, yeah, that's a disaster. Who's their backup? Yeah, Logan Thompson, who they essentially need to. Congratulations. You need to get us into the playoffs. <laughs> if your nickname by the end of the year isn't Logan, literally Jordan Bennington Thompson, this whole season's going off the rails. That's essentially. And this kid's 25 years old. <laughs> hey, hey the, the similarities are lining up. <laughs> hey, we need an undrafted goalie. Still maturing in terms of development in the league, not a lot under his belt. You need us. We need you to win out, essentially, big guy. And then uh, we're going to need a lot from you in the playoffs. Remember when they wanted to send Jordan Bennington from the AHL to the ECHL, and he said no. <laughs> Vegas is, uh, yeah. Oh, sorry, you're talking about Bennington. What did I say? No, no, you're talking about Bennington. I and I was talking about Vegas, but Vegas is just like I get there and you franchise, but holy hell, what Don't a mess! Show. Yeah. It's always entertaining in Vegas. All right. Well, speaking of entertainment, let's get to what the people want. Prospect profiles. Cutter Gauthier is our prospect profile today. Brad, why don't you take us away on what to expect from Cutter? Cool name. Interesting. I think this is the first Cutter I've seen in the draft. 
Have you ever actually went through the USNTDP's full roster and the names the that name, are there? The names get funnier every year. Rutger McGrordy, Cutter Goche, Cruz Lucius, like Seamus Casey. It's phenomenal. Chaz and Cruz Lucius. I love that. It's their parents deserve an award. Anyways. <laughs> Some kind of award. If your name if your name is Chaz and you have a brother with a more unique name than you, your parents deserve an award. <laughs> Anyways, Cutter Gochi of the USNTDP, primarily a left winger. So um a late riser on a lot of boards this year after a pretty underwhelming start to the season. Um don't really know how to describe him as a forward. He's very much a shoot first, get the puck to the net type of guy, type of player, without being a super physical power forward with an absolutely elite shot, okay playmaking, and uh, circling back, yeah, like good hands and just an unreal shot. So... His game is very simple and it's very effective because, again, when you can shoot like he can and he can skate very well as well and he's like 6'2", so even though he's not a physical guy, he's not easy to knock off pucks and he can cycle well and he can play off the wall and he can do all that stuff well. Um, There's a lot of potential in his offensive game, but because of – I don't want to call them limitations just because we haven't seen him get super creative – with his game, there's questions about will this simple game translate to the NHL? Now, he's produced a ton at the USNTDP, and all the tools are there. Like, if you're one of those people or coaches or scouts who like like really toolsy-type projects, Goche is right up your alley. Because if all his skills translate to the NHL, like, he'll be a home run. But, like always, it's that if – if 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 but there's a there's a lot to like there and a lot to get excited about yeah i i don't dislike gochi as a prospect i think you're right brad he has a lot of tools that are going to be appealing to scouts the fact that he has a wicked shot like he can put the puck in the net and the fact that he's a good skater too right like this isn't you see you see a lot of that archetype with prospects where it's like great shot big guy can't move but that's not him i think he can skate and i think he can you can do really well by skating and if he continues to improve that that could be a big asset and i think that's going to be the difference maker between you know whether he a makes it or not and b whether he's like a bottom of the lineup guy or maybe even middle six um it's probably largely going to be driven by his skating because he's got the size. He's a big boy. He can they can fill out that fi- that frame. You can teach strength if you have the frame for it. You know, you get him in. You you get him in with some good strength training. You get him focused on the right kinds of things, especially and that'll you know empower his stride even more. A high end shot like a a really wicked wrister or a, a really good shot like he has that can be the difference maker on an offense. Even though he's not you know the most creative offensive player, even though he doesn't have the world's highest offensive IQ. I do think he has a lot of tools that's going to be interesting. Where I'm holding up is I don't necessarily disagree with his late rise. I just don't think he's going to be approaching where Detroit's drafting. I don't say that with with complete certainty. I think we still need to see a little bit more from him. And he's the kind of player where if you saw him develop a lot more, you, you wouldn't be too surprised. But from what we've seen, I think there's just too many guys ahead of him to put him in the you know one to ten range. He does have the versatility of he's played uh, wing and center for the NTDP this year. Yeah, yeah. So who knows? I mean, I talked about his improved skating. If he really improves on that, maybe he can flip back to the middle. Third line center could be a thing. The, the tools are there. Yeah. It's... It's interesting. He's I I would not um, I would not criticize a team for taking him. You know, between ten and twenty, he's just not my favorite pick for Detroit for where no. they'll likely be. No, and that's understandable. But he he was previously ranked around twenty in most of the rankings I've saw. But a lot of people are are wondering now if he is going to crack that top fifteen. So could there, be there potential. Yeah. Uh, he's not a top 10 guy to me. He doesn't have the consistency of being in there. Um, obviously, he would be a very strong value pick in the second round. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and boards have been kind of all over the place with him. Not really into the second round, but like late first. So, 
you never know. Draft days are weird at the best of times. Um, yeah, I see him being a middle six player in the NHL. Um, if he can work on his consistency, um, continue to get stronger, he will for sure play in the NHL. He's just not a top 10 guy, in my opinion. All right, that is Cutter Gauthier. Expect these prospect profiles to ramp up, and we're probably going to start revisiting players as well as we get closer to the draft and as the Red Wing season wraps up. So thanks for tuning into that. Um, any other NHL news that we want to talk about? Oh, actually, we should recognize um, Guy Lafleur, Montreal Canadiens and NHL legend, uh, passed away, unfortunately, on April 22nd. Um, he was 70 years old. So um, our thoughts are with his family and loved ones and a, a, an incredible legend giant of the game, Guy Lafleur. Um, it's a huge loss for the hockey community overall, not just the Canadians. So. Okay. Anything else that we want to get into before we do overtime here? Have you hit your new golf clubs yet? I have not. I've been waiting for you. I have waiting not. for me. Yeah, I have not. No, I'm going to go out to the range. Actually, I would go with you to the range. Let's go. All right, we can go to Whistle Bear. Oh yeah, I, I'm fine for the range at Whistle Bear. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't want to tear up your. <laughs> they're they're not they're going to take away your membership if they see what I do <laughs> to their fairways. <laughs> you should see what some of the members do. They, sh- they may as well be playing with shovels. So. <laughs> Someone was like, you fix the the holes you make uh, in the fairway, right? I'm like, I didn't even know you're supposed to do that or how. Yeah. You know the rounds aren't going well when you don't have to fix divots or ball marks on the green. Yeah. And not to say I'd never make them, but I do miss the ball sometimes. Oh, uh, well, you'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just try and be nice. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to have an interesting time. Um, okay. Why don't we jump into overtime here? Uh, this is usually where we would take Reddit questions as well. We're going to kick that to Wednesday this week. Um, apologies for that. We just have to switch things around a bit. So uh, Patreon supporters are who are bringing you our overtime segment. Patreon.com slash podcast. These are the people that allow us to do what we can do on this show and um, are the reason we can um, record twice a week, do these prospect profiles, do a charity drive with those flannels. So thank your local Wingwheel podcast patron and thank you to all new patrons. It it genuinely, genuinely means a lot. Connor Howie says, why does Danny DeKaiser look better than Hronik some nights? I have a, a legitimate answer on this one. Yeah, and I think it's joking or not. I think there is a legitimate, you know, question in there. So yeah, go ahead. And I'll, I'll keep it simple for the second time. Danny DeKaiser is a smarter hockey player than Philip Hronik. Yes. I actually didn't even think DeKaiser looked that bad in the Pittsburgh game, but I was also extremely hungover, so please take that with a massive grain of salt. I mean, you look at Danny DeKaiser that game relative to what was happening around him, and also understandable yes. to come to that conclusion. Yes. Like, yeah, it's your cider is going to shield a lot of that from DeKaiser, <laughs> but and I think Max gets a lot of credit for this one. Like DeKaiser was used as a little bit of a whipping boy, especially to start start the year out. And I don't think his play was good. And I don't think it would like the criticisms were overblown. It's just that, you know, you look at the balance of the year. He wasn't what was driving the needle to the wrong side of the, you know. Well, he wasn't <laughs> helping. Scale. He wasn't helping for sure. Um, but you can still see like a vestige of that old Danny DeKaiser in there. When he doesn't have to do too much physically, he's perfectly fine. But as soon as he gets a team that's like very quick or, or they're a faster team, he's he's screwed. Barring a lot of things going terribly wrong for the Red Wings this offseason, we're, we're watching DeKaiser's probable last games, I think, in the winged wheel. Man, I'll be, it's got to be the NHL. There's, I'll be shocked if someone else signs him. Same. I think he's going to stay on in a, a like a – Within team administration, yeah, he's a smart guy. Yeah, like he, he knows how to play the game. We've we've beat this to death this year. His body just doesn't let him anymore. Yeah, and uh, Moritz Sider always credits DeKaiser and Letty for helping him get comfortable um, in the NHL and teaching him a lot of what he he needed to to hit the ground running. So it's a testament to his, his IQ as a defenseman. Um, third man in says. I'm not sure I've heard this directly addressed in all the discussions of Blashill, but is the biggest indictment of him not the fact that he coaches the team to play low event hockey, but they still routinely give up seven plus goals a game? <laughs> I think it's that's a fair criticism. I don't think that's the biggest indictment because 
you can coach a team to play low event hockey as like a preservation thing, but that it doesn't matter if you're teaching them to play low event hockey or like kamikaze five man full full court press the other way. When you have a defensive core like the Red Wings have this year, if Cider is not on the ice, you're getting scored on. That's just the fact of it. So, yeah, I, I'm not a fan of how Blashill's handled a lot of the team and the defense specifically, but I think low event, high event, whatever, I, I think you're going to get some version of this no matter what. Biggest indictment is the fact that the Red Wings have given up seven-plus goals more times in a season than any team since the mid nineties. So context as to why that's happening almost doesn't matter. Question here from Brad Stepstool <laughs> says, how are we impl- improving the left side of our defense? Thanks for the great work this season. Dub dubs. Um, so Simon Edmondson signed his ELC today. Anyways. Yeah. Simon Edmondson signed his ELC. They probably won't re-sign Danny DeKaiser to play for them. And uh, we'll see what else ha- happens in terms of free agents. Yeah, Wallman, Mark Stahl, and Sidman Edmondson is still bad by NHL standards, but it's better than what we've seen this year. Um, Babe Landeskog says, I missed all the hockey games this weekend because I went to the Cubs game Saturday. They won 21 to nothing over the Pirates. My, My God. Yeah. Good God. Hey, anytime you get a chance to beat a Pittsburgh sports team, you That's do fair. it. Did we ever talk about how the Yankees walked Miggy? No, we didn't. I understand why it made sense in the context of that game. You were still a baby back bitch for doing it. Got it. Sick league. I hate the Yankees. And thank you, Yankees, for just reaffirming that. Sick league. Yeah. (laughs) I'm so happy for Miggy, man. Um, As for a hockey-related question, I still have a gut feeling the Red Wings will do something like trade – uh, Bert during the draft. What are your thoughts on the likelihood of this and what he'd bring in for us? I feel like we've covered this before, but to reiterate, uh, the likelihood is not like guaranteed, but it's strong. Like it's very much on the table. And uh, I think we'll talk about it in the postmortems, but he's viewed very highly around the league. So he would bring in a lot. I don't think I, I think this is a conversation we're going to keep happening, and I think you're right. It's this isn't like a, oh this never happened, so don't expect it. Bertuzzi could have gone at this deadline, you know if you know his personal decisions or a federal guideline mandates. If one of those things was different, I think there was a very good likelihood we would have seen Bertuzzi shopped. Hell, he was being shopped. There were conversations being had around Tyler Bertuzzi. Who knows what's happening between now and the draft? July's a long way away. Things could change. Teams could have intel as to which way the, the Canadian government's going to go in terms of um, their the vaccine mandates to, to enter the country. It doesn't matter whether you think Bertuzzi should be drafted. There is a strong possibility, possibility of it happening. So I would not be shocked whatsoever. And in terms of return, if, if he wasn't dealt now, you're looking at first high-end prospect, something equivalent. Yeah, like plus. Yeah, like uh, look at the Mantha trade as a as a barometer. That's probably going to be pretty close to what he would get. Yeah, it's not going to be that exact formula, but it's going to be around there. Uh, Jake Nagy says, it seems to me there are a top seven in this draft. Right, Cooley, Savoy, Slavkovsky, Lambert, Nemich, Yurichek. How important then is it for Detroit to finish below Buffalo and Ottawa. If there isn't any change in the lottery, I feel like landing one of those seven is a much bigger get than the tier of players like Geeky, Kemmel, Nazer, etc. That's the first I've heard of a top seven. If I'm being honest, I, I don't think Lambert belongs in that group. Um, a lot of the other guys you mentioned actually are probably more consistently ranked above him. And the Red Wings can't get like that top six probably sounds about right. Um, but the Red Wings can't get there without winning a lottery. Like, it's just not possible. So if they're picking where the Red Wings can pick outside of winning the lottery, the only real advantage to it would be maybe getting positional preference. Because in terms of the talent between 8, 9, 10, 11 is minimal. Man, watching what Cider and Raymond have done this year really make all of this so much more stomachable. Like it, and Edmondson. Yes. And Wallander. And Kosa. And Bergen. And Johansson. Right? Like 
the Red Wings might have walked away with a top two, maybe arguably best, maybe, you know, down to third best at worst draft for both in, in 2019 and 2020. There's not an argument for Sider to be outside the top two, and there's no. not an argument for Raymond to be outside of the top two right now. So that's how I can watch these last games being a little bit more stress-free about what Buffalo and Ottawa and Detroit, like Detroit beating New Jersey isn't a bad thing. Like Nedeljkovic getting a shutout, it's a good thing. Like He could use the confidence going into next season. You can't lose your mind about a hockey team whose goal to win games is winning games. It just is what it is. But knowing what's there, yeah, I, I understand that separation. But like you said, Brad, you kind of just have to you're either winning the lottery or you you make do with what you got. Um, Large, the top, the prophet of the towering behemoth says, greetings, sweet of files. Why are we so obsessed with handedness on defenders? Yeah, sure. There can be some advantages playing a righty with a lefty, but in truth, I feel if you have three fantastic lefties and one righty, you play the best players, even if one ends up being on the wrong side. We aren't this anal about wingers. What do you think? Oh, that it is a whole different ballpark when it comes to defensemen in terms of this conversation. Now I agree with you on the, on the main point of, you know, if you have two options, one of them is a righty and one of them is a lefty, both for the right side. And the lefty is a significantly better player than the righty. Then yeah, you do it. Even if that means that player becomes a little bit worse, but when you are trying to break the puck out quickly with four checkers, the advantage of being able to receive that pass on your strong side is significant. It's, there's a reason almost every NHL coach believes in it because there's a very real advantage there. Now, it's I'm not saying it can't be done, and there are several guys around the NHL who do it very, very well, but there's not as many as you would think. So it's, it's more or less a tiebreaker if you want to simplify it, but yeah, no, it's, uh, it's a real thing. I'm... You know, I'm thinking of when I played and you could play on your offside. Like, I, I think Lars is making a very good point here that it's not impossible. But those those little fractions of seconds, Brad, that you just mentioned where you're given away just by default for your stick being on the, the wrong side of your body, it does make sense. There are situations where you're going to have to do it. You know, you have a clear-cut top four, and if you have Evan Lopsinger playing on your third pairing, he can't slot up into that top four, especially if you're in the playoffs, especially if you're trying to compete for a cup. You got to do what you got to do, and if that's the version, best version of your team, so be it. But I think as much as you can, you have to get guys playing not necessarily on the exact side of their handedness, even though that's where it ends up 90% of the time, just where they're comfortable and where it makes sense for your team, especially as team defense. So. There's, there's so many little nuances that could affect a game because if you have – a defenseman on his off wing and his D partner's got the puck behind the net and that puck comes up to his side to make the play and he has to catch it on his backhand. If there's pressure, he's either got to backhand that puck out of the zone, which that's almost impossible to make a, a clean breakout pass on your backhand with pressure or move it to his forehand. And now his stick and puck are in between him and the net, which is the last place you want it to be when you have pressure on you because then a turnover means you're chasing rather than trying to recover all right we're gonna wrap up there we'll be back with you on wednesday and that'll be our last episode before the end of the season and then i mean it'll just be more episodes and we'll be wrapping up the season and we'll be going to full off season and playoff content and what have you but for now we're gonna wrap up this episode of the wing wheel podcast thank you all so much for tuning in um folks we're almost at the end of the season we did it together. Almost there. Uh, we'd like to thank the sponsors of this show, the FanDuel Sportsbook, as well as all of our listeners. Uh, however you tune in, uh, all of you who have given us ratings recently, it's been a huge help. So thank you for that. And to all of our patrons, especially our name level sponsors, thank you so much. Arjun Shanker, Eves Bartels on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, the Stay Fresh Cheese Bag, Nick Perks, Brett Bailey, Terry Driver for the number 69, Cry and Ryan Hannah's Banana Slam Jamathong, Matthew M. Rice, Billy Howell, Brandon M., Breaking Into Bank for a Hot Pocket, Brian Johnson, Carl Brutanen Nanaluski, Chimmy, Citizen High Five, Coyotes Season Tickets in Tempe, Craig Kibble, Daniel Garcia, Derek Enstam, DJ Denton, Give Blood Fight Probert, Hana Lee, Hassam Al-Kassem, I'd Leave My Wife for Cider, Jay Gollum, Jacob Turner, Justin and the Angry Mob, Caitlin Wood, King Tone, Kyle Hashman, Marcus, 
Matt McKay, Nicholas Fritz, R.A., Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Stay Fresh Greech Bags, the master and champion of the Winged Wheel podcast, the freshest of cheese bags, the legend himself, Joseph F. and Fournier, Zach Spring, Sam Bankson, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Adam, Now I Finish Better Than Ernie, Antonio Gracias, Babe Landiscog, Bra- Bags Fresh Cheese Stay, Brad Ambulance Call Please, Stroke Having Am I, Ben Barron, Cheese Bags Stay Fresh, Connor Leighton, Dave W., <laughs> Evans Parking Garage, Evans Bingo Card, James Laporte, Jeremiah Dobo, Jeremy Brocker, JM Rhapsody, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Matt Keeler, Matt S, Missing Vladdy More Than Ever, Papa Woody, Revy DeLuca, Stay Cheese Fresh Bags, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Trevor Pevavar, Zach Handyside, and Zach McCann, a driving range superstar. Take care, folks. Enjoy the weather. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.